This morning in Luke, we find ourselves listening in to a debate between Jesus and the Sadducees. And let's review a bit of context to remind us how we got here. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem in Luke 9, and finally arrives there ten chapters later. And in these two chapters since his arrival, a lot has happened. He weeps over Jerusalem, he cleanses the temple, and he teaches in the temple while the chief priests, scribes, and leaders of the people look for a way to discredit and destroy him. The religious authorities ask Jesus three questions. First, tell us by what authority do you do these things? Who is giving you authority? Second, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar? or not. And finally, in our gospel lesson for today, the Sadducees ask, in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will this woman be? For the seven had married her. None of these questions are honest inquiries for information. All three are attempts to ensnare Jesus to ultimately compromise his authority. There's so many things to tease out and reflect upon in this gospel reading. And I'm just going to address the elephant in the room for me. The first we're going to get out of the way is the dismay to read of a woman, albeit hypothetical, who is so blatantly nothing more than property. She's never named. She is passed from brother to brother as each dies, fulfilling a marriage custom mentioned in Deuteronomy. Never allowing that she dies childless after seven husbands, but only remarking that the unborn children are only considered in relationship to the male figures of the family. All seven men died childless. As one commentator notes, sadly but true, in all patriarchal societies, ancient and modern, the female body often becomes the place of theological regulation. For this unnamed woman, Torah, would determine her earthly relations, but could not resolve her future life. You see, the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection, while the Pharisees and many other Jewish sects, including the followers of Jesus, did. I also find it amusing that the Sadducees, of all the examples they could have given to try to trick Jesus, would put forth this particular example. Jesus, who is close friends with Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene, who engages the woman at the well, who heals a woman on the Sabbath, Jesus, who talks with women in public and eats 
with women in their homes. They do not understand him at all. Jesus is not your typical first century religious man. We can debate later whether Jesus is a feminist, but what we can agree on is that it is hard to catch Jesus in a verbal trap. He makes short work of the Sadducees' riddle in two ways. He declares the woman won't be married to anyone in the resurrection. And before his interrogators can pounce on this and can rejoice in catching him, espousing what they do not believe, he quickly points to the fallacy in their lack of belief in resurrection. Sadducees only read and followed the first five books of Hebrew scripture. They held that there weren't any references to resurrection therein, so it couldn't be true. Jesus reminds them of Moses and the burning bush. This passage in Exodus declares that God is, present tense, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not that God was their God. Therefore, Jesus concludes that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob must in some sense still be alive. Hence, resurrection. So, what of this resurrection? Jesus doesn't tell us much. It's kind of frustrating, isn't it? And people have so many questions about the resurrected life, about heaven, and what really happens after this life. Y'all know I like to do some research and poke around, and the more absurd the answers, the more I like them. So I'm going to offer you my curated list of the most frequently asked questions, and I did not make these up. Will our pets be with us? Perhaps at least lions and lambs will be there. (laughs) Will it be boring? I'm thinking if you find church boring, it might be a problem for you. (laughs) Will I have to work? And a very common question, how old will we be? in the resurrection. I mean, after all, some die as babies and some as centenarians. So what I'm going to share with you is a, an opinion, an opinion I found often. This is not biblical. I do not want any one of you leaving here telling anyone, Katie said this is in the Bible. So repeat after me, this is not biblical. <laughs> Excellent. There is a theory out there that we will all be 33 years old for eternity. I mean, if it works for Christ. Will we recognize each other? Will we become angels? No, that one is biblical. Angels are different creatures altogether. 
Will we see God? Our lesson from Job this morning tells us yes. And we use those same lines in our Episcopal burial rite. This is maybe my favorite. Is heaven a gated community? I told you, I could not make these up. And I can't help but believe that's got to come from those NIMBY folks taking pearly great gates to the extreme. And finally, a question I've heard asked in meeting with families as they plan funeral services for their loved ones. Will we be married? No. Not according to today's gospel text. I know that is a source of great anxiety for many and relief for others. <laughs> I won't ask for a show of hands. But I invite you to take a deep breath and just sit with that. And consider that it is because there is something even better. Those in a wonderful, loving marriage may struggle to believe that is possible. Those who have suffered in a toxic or abusive marriage may want to weep tears of joy. But resurrection is the same for both. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in that resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. The example of a poor woman who has to marry seven brothers to try to produce an heir is worthy, worthy of her own place in that age and in the resurrection, worthy by her own merits and not as property. She is no one's property in resurrection. She is alive in Christ and free to worship God for eternity, not as an angel but like an angel and as a child of God, being a child of the resurrection. God's promise for the age to come is a promise of transformation. The best thing we are told we can imagine falls short. The Sadducees were rebuffed because their idea of God's greatness was simply too small. My friends, be open, open to the mystery, to the hope, and to the enormity of God's love for us in this life and the next. Be open to the possibility of something better than we could even ask or imagine.